When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. That means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, everyone. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new truck like a rugged half-ton Tundra, combining raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and with me, as always, is Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Yeah, boo! And over there is Jerry. And uh, this is Stuff You Should Know. Pa ba boom, pa ba boom. You know, there's a name for that song. For the. Burlesque uh, striptease. Song? Yeah, is it called Baba Boom? Dun, 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 dun. That's called The Stripper by David Rose, who also did the Little House on the Prairie thing. Oh, really? Uh-huh. That was all about keeping your clothes on. He's actually like one of my favorite dudes. Yeah, yeah. instrumental, easy listening stuff. Oh, that's right. You and he he does like schmaltz. soft rock versions of in, like no, he does instrumental, easy listening versions of soft rock songs. So he makes soft rock softer. Yeah. Wow. I, like you can't even, it'd slip through your fingers. Right. You know? <laughs> uh, but yeah, the stripper is what it's called. And I'm sure you've probably heard it at burlesque shows because we should come out and say, uh, I've never been to one. Yeah. But you have. Yeah. I went to one in New York City. Yeah. Uh, kind of the home of burlesque. Sure. It's one of the, certainly one of the capitals of neo burlesque. New yeah. York and LA are where it started in the mid nineties. And had a lot to do with where it started in the, you know, late 1800s and early 1900s. You're right. That is absolutely true. Yeah, I went to one. Uh, you know, it's fun. I like throwback stuff. Yeah. And um, I just I, I appreciate people trying to bring stuff back, you know, especially like really old school stuff, not like 80s, like clothing. Are you referring to my swatch? No. And what about my Ocean Pacific Windbreaker? Wow. <laughs> Didn't notice. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love 80s clothing. <laughs> I'm just saying when I'm talking about bringing it back, I mean like, you know, the pantaloons and that whole burlesque thing. No, they definitely, cool. they have totally like gone all in. And as a result, it's been successful. It's been a very successful burlesque revival. Yeah, it's like a movement. Yeah, you can throw a stone in America and you're going to hit a burlesque troupe. Yeah. Just throw it. Close your eyes and throw it. You don't even have to throw it well. It'll yeah. hit a burlesque trooper. Um, and that's... A pretty recent phenomenon, but it's kind of taken off like a rocket. Um, but you're saying it's true to form, true to the original. Yeah, the one I saw was very much so. It was, uh, you know, sort of body and had some humor mm-hmm. and, um, of course, striptease action, but not like, you know, the, the strip club type of thing. It's it's supposed to be like uh, kitschy, campy stripteases typically, right? Yeah, like titillating and body, but not... Um, uh, it's not st- like a strip club strip. No, 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 no. No. Not we- at all. It's like dancing and fun and, you know, it's a good time. People are laughing and having a good time. Yeah. Whereas strip clubs are kind of like scaring. <laughs> yeah. To me, they are at least. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, stripping actually came out of burlesque and then just kind of went off on its own direction. Yeah. But it's still associated with burlesque. We'll, we'll get into this. Um, well, now. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about the history of this. I should say, Chuck, that if you look into burlesque, especially neo-burlesque, um, there's a real discussion about whether or not it's pro-feminist or counter-feminist, basically. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. If you speak to um, a, a burlesque, a neo-burlesque, or read their words or writing or whatever, um, you're going to find that they most likely identify as feminist, or at the very least, with feminism. Um, and... That doesn't always jibe with how feminists think of them, though. Yeah, and especially these days uh, with the new stuff, they, um, you know, these are productions by women, 
costuming by women, produced by women, performed by women, which follows women in the audience. Right. And then, so it's empowering for a lot of women. Like that's part of the, uh, the attraction of it is, is it's women doing their own thing and they're doing it and they're, they're doing it. Well, it's, it's, you're right though. There's a couple of schools of thought period about that. It's like, uh, so does a woman take her clothes off for money? Is that exploiting her or is that, a woman who's very comfortable with her body and sexuality exploiting men for their dough. Right. But you just you just said the magic word too, men. Like what is it seems to be like the baseline argument is whether or not burlesque is for the male gaze or for f- woman empowerment. Yeah. Well, I think when we look at the history we'll see that it was generally run by men back in the day and now is more run by women. Right, but originally it wasn't run by men. It was originally, no, it was originally women producers back in the 19th century. And that's where you get the association of women doing this stuff, um, on their own. It's, that's a true throwback to the original founding of it. So let's go back in time then. Let's go to the history of burlesque. Let's go over to Great Britain where it started. It's 1840 and here we are in England and Ladies are very well covered up. Yeah, it's the Victorian era. Like neck to ankle. And uh, skin is not in fashion. And so to see a woman show a little skin, even if it's an ankle, is a very big deal. Right. So imagine that if you went to a performance of a show and it was a kind of this weird satirical spoof of maybe a Greek comedy, but it was lampooning current cultural and political um Items. Yeah. But it was an all female troupe and the producer's name was a woman's name. Right. And the troupe was wearing tights. Their their legs weren't covered. Right. That's what you call a a cultural explosion. And people went nuts for it. Yeah, they did. Uh, The the word burlesque comes from the Italian burlesco uh, (laughs) or even further back burla, which means to ridicule. Um, and basically it's what like these days we'd call satire. Yeah. It was, they were spoofs. They would spoof, uh, the upper class and spoof operas and plays and Shakespeare mm-hmm. and all those snotty snots right. that had hangups in the upper echelons of society. They would make fun of them. Yeah. Like you wore a monocle, you're going to get skewered in a, in a burlesque show. Yeah. Um, and the, the burlesque show itself was lots of, uh, song and dance and, um, musical numbers. Um, but it was, there were two aspects of it from the beginning that survived even to today. Yeah. There's humor to it, supposed to be funny. Yep. Um, and there was nudity of some form. Both of yeah. those were found in the first burlesque shows. Yeah. And depending on what nudity, meant back then to right. today, like nudity could be... Wearing tights. Yeah, exactly. You like, know? Here's my knees. Right, like faint. Prepare to faint. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, because, yeah, this was the very buttoned-up Victorian era. Um, so it, it was a pretty big smash in Great Britain, and the earliest plays made enough money um, that they shipped over to America. And in America, there was a the first one, technically, was called The Black Crook, and it was a very big success. Yeah, the Black Crook, like I said, it was Broadway. It was the 1866 at this point. And uh, they had um, pantaloons on, but the pantaloons only went down to their mid-thigh, which is a big deal. Yeah. So from They're the wearing mid- shorts, in other words. Yeah. Okay. You know, the big puffy <laughs> yeah. pantaloons. From the mid-thigh down, they had nothing. They had no sleeves. They have the bodices with no sleeves, mm-hmm. which is another huge deal. It sounds like exactly like the French illustration of like a can-can dancer. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Except more skin, probably. Okay. Uh, and then the, the reviewers that went nuts for it, um, like some of them went nuts in a bad way and called it like filth. But other ones said, you know, remarked about there were no clothes to speak of, but they had never seen something like it so amazing in their life. Yeah, it was like just quite a spectacle. Yeah. And the, the, the reviewers that reviewed positively, uh, felt the ire and pressure of the puritanical sect, um, which was pretty loud back then. Yeah. Uh, and they changed their tune. So then you had nothing but bad reviews of these things. But they were loud bad reviews, and that just drew more audiences. Yeah, but there were, like, noteworthy people were going to these shows early on, which was a big deal. It wasn't just, 
it, it did go back underground, but at first, like Mark Twain went to uh, one called the uh, Four British Blondes. It was a troupe. And he said, the scenery and legs are everything. Girls, nothing but a wilderness of girls, stacked up pile on pile, away aloft to the dome of the theater, dressed with a meagerness that would make a parasol blush. Yeah. He can turn a phrase. Sure. Yeah, well, Mark Twain, he was a great writer. But another show came along after that, too, that was a really big deal, right? This is technically, um, I don't know, I guess it, it was maybe the one that really, maybe the black crook proved that this thing could be lucrative. And then the, the one that followed, Ixion, yeah. um, was the first true burlesque show to arrive in the U.S. Yeah, I think Black Crook was a little, it was a Broadway show that just titillated. And so people said, who was the, who was the lady? Uh, her name is Lydia Thompson. She was a yeah. burlesque producer. I think she, she was like, Ixian. you guys want to be titillated? Yeah, check this out. <laughs> yeah, let's do it for real. And she dropped a burlesque show on them. Which now that we're talking about this, I just realized I have been to a burlesque show in Vegas. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It was at uh, uh, one of the older casinos. Circus Circus? No, no. no. Golden <laughs> Nugget? No, not that old. I can't remember, but it was um, it was called Jubilee. It was boring. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the one I went to was in like a, a tiny little bar right. in New York. So. It, this wasn't Neo. This was like straight up. I think it had been performed ever since the 60s or something. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, I, I kept waiting for them to stop in the middle and be like, we're just kidding. Here's the real show. <laughs> But they didn't. It was so strange. I, I, I think everyone should go see Jubilee and just, it's bizarre. Yeah. You know? It sounds like one of those old Vegas shows. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so Ixion comes along and it's a, uh, it's one of those Greek, uh, comedies updated to lampoon contemporary society and culture. Yeah. Um, and people love it. And you said Mark Twain went to one of these things. I bet he went to more than one. That's really saying something because originally burlesque in the 1840s was created for the lower classes and the middle classes to make fun of the upper classes. Yeah. When it comes to America, it's not just attracting the lower classes. It's attracting the middle classes. It's attracting upper class society, possibly in part because it's still making fun of the British. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know if it would have been quite as well received by the upper classes in American society if right. they had come to make fun of America. But in very short order, within just a few years, Lydia Thompson's success um, with her production, which, by the way, netted six or gross six point six million dollars in two thousand twelve dollars wow. in its one first season. That's awesome. It was like three hundred seventy thousand in in eighteen seventy dollars. Um, but based on her success, Americans started making their own very quickly. Yeah, and um, it was in the eighteen eighties, a short time later, that uh, the male uh, managers and producers kind of took over because, of course. They were already doing, uh, you know, producing things, but they saw that there was definitely money to be made. Right. They're like, Lydia. oh, hey, women, you, you guys are living the dream. You're doing your own thing. You're being empowered. No, we're taking over. Yeah. But it was still to titillate uh, and to spoof. But uh, there was definitely a little more uh, attention paid to the striptease part of it. Well, right. I mean, the the showing the leg, the the costuming, the the just kind of um, just shimmying around on stage definitely started to come more toward the fore. Yeah. But the striptease hadn't been introduced yet. The first stripper was a woman named Little Egypt who did the first public strip um, at the 1893 World's Fair in uh, Chicago. Yeah. What was it called? The the hoochie coochie. Hoochie coochie. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, that caused quite a stir. It was still, you, you could find a striptease here or there, but it was underground still. Yeah, like stag parties and stuff like that. Right. So burlesque was still, there were, you, I mean, you went to a burlesque show, you're gonna be titillated, but still, it was the, the lampooning, the hilariousness of it. There were stand-up comics. Yeah, well, things really changed when, uh, a producer named Michael, uh, Michael Leavitt, Levitt? Levitt? Yeah. Okay. When he, when he started. He sounds like a modern producer. Michael Levitt. Yeah. You know? Well, he kind of was. He, uh, he claims he coined the term vaudeville. Although, if he claimed it, then that's probably not the case. <laughs> right. I made that up, see? Yeah. Um, but when he started producing, he basically put it in a three act format, like the, uh, three act minstrel shows of days before, uh, with act one being, um, just an ensemble entertainment, mm -hmm. um, skits, gags, jokes, uh, fully dressed in formal clothing. Uh, then Act Two, which was like a hodgepodge of comic skits and singing acts and things like that. Yeah. 
And then finally, Act Three, which was uh, what they called a burletta, which was a full one-act musical burlesque. That was that's when they would usually like spoof Shakespeare or somebody. Right. So that format became the format for all burlesque shows to follow. What was that? The eighteen eighties. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, and what he did was he took what was traditionally the burlesque show, which was this spoofy play. And condensed it into one act, the third act, and then added this other stuff. Yeah, exactly. So vaudeville and burlesque are kind of co-evolving at the same time. Apparently, this man was patient zero. I, I hadn't heard that. But um, the vaudeville, for some reason, had a little more of a better reputation than well, burlesque. Because they weren't taking their clothes off. I guess so. But um, you found a lot of the same um, elements, Yeah, especially stand-up comedy. And there were some um, really great legendary comics like Jackie Gleason and um, Bob Hope. Yeah, Red Skelton, W.C. Fields, Fanny Bryce, Funny Girl. Yeah, um, who started out in burlesque, graduated to vaudeville, and then went on to TV. Um, just basically followed the media as it went. But some of those people, um, vaudeville looked down on burlesque. Uh, but they Until would they still the money. exactly when they <laughs> needed money, they would adopt the pseudonym and then right. go do a little burlesque tour because burlesque was a lot steadier income. It was virtually guaranteed income. Vaudeville was a little more respected, but burlesque was guaranteed work. Yeah, and this uh, writer named Herb Goldman wrote a book called Fanny Bryce, the original funny girl, where he pretty much came out and said, like, by the time you got to vaudeville, you were seasoned. Burlesque was the proving ground if you wanted to get in show business. Right. Yeah. For ladies and men, men were the comics at the time. Typically, yeah. And um, we can thank burlesque also for um, uh, the word "top banana" and "second banana." Yeah, that had to do with the comics in like a comedic group. The guy who was the straight man or whatever, like Mo, he would have been the top banana, and then uh, Larry might have been second banana, and Curly would have been third banana. I thought you were talking about The Simpsons for a second. <laughs> yeah, it's like Mo would be the top banana. Yeah. Probably. I don't wonder who is the top banana in The Simpsons. I don't think they follow that schematic. No, not at all. God, uh, God is. <laughs> so early 1900s, 1905, there uh, began to be vaudeville-style circuits going around, sort of like a cir- traveling circus. Mm-hmm. And uh, they played in rotation, so they became known as wheels. And they had the Columbia Wheel on the eastern uh, U.S., the Empire Wheel on the western U.S., the mutual wheel, which I'm not sure where that was. Probably the Midwest. Midwest. Sure. And then there was a fourth wheel called the Independent that actually went bankrupt because they were too dirty. Oh, really? They refused to change, so they would get shut down so much they just couldn't hang. Yeah, and that was the thing that would happen um, with the burlesque house. Um, and these wheels were basically just circuits that involved burlesque houses around you know a certain region. Yeah. And they were so established, and these shows were so guaranteed to draw a crowd, that these wheels were, um, they would last for 40 weeks. Yeah. So you get in a burlesque troupe and you had steady work for 40 weeks out of the year. That's just, that's your life. That's your livelihood. And um, this went on for like 30 years like this. So, I mean, think about it. In showbiz, there was for three decades a place where you could go and get steady work and basically make your career for your life. Yeah, especially as a woman at the time. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, and, well, we're in the 1900s, but from the 1880s forward, uh, like you said, comedy was mainly um, working class. And it kind of occurred to me that that laid the groundwork for sitcoms. Oh, yeah. Because, like, you know, All in the Family, Sanford yeah, like and Son. Many, not most, but, well, maybe most sitcoms are kind of aimed toward, like, working class regular people. Right. King of Queens. Not everything's the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Right. <laughs> you know? Well, that's that's kind of follows in the burlesque um Tradition, because they're making fun of the upper class. Oh, that's true. By insinuating somebody from the lower, Dude, lower middle class, totally right, into the upper class to point out all of the foibles of the rich. Yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. I never really thought. It, I was trying to rack my brain for sitcoms based on rich people, and most of silver them, spoons. Well, that's what I was just thinking, but they kind of mocked them as well. I don't remember silver spoons being mocky. Uh, yeah, I guess you're right. But think about it. Like Maybe almost all sitcoms it. involve the working class. Mash. Those were working class doctors, and you know, mm-hmm. like you took something from the upper class and put them in the battlefield. That's working class yeah. now. King of Queens, Archie Bunker, yeah. Jeffersons. They were all sort of middle class to working class. Yeah, because no one wants to sit around and watch f- funny rich people. 
different strokes with rich people, but they pointed out the foibles a little bit too. Two poor kids though. Yeah. Yeah. Man, we are smart dudes. <laughs> <laughs> we just cracked the sitcom enigma. <laughs> yeah, everyone's like, uh, we knew this. Right. Uh, so one of the big, um, parts of the comedy bits in burlesque was, uh, wordplay. And this is where Abbott and Costello, even though who's yeah. on first wasn't invented, uh, in burlesque, it was definitely honed there. Oh, I thought it was invented there. No, they, that's where they like really got, got their stuff down. Yeah. Um, but it was very often, uh, a lot of intricate wordplay, misunderstood words. Um, and I think we should do this bit, the Cohen and Cohen bit. Okay. Are you prepared to do that? Uh, I am. Okay. I am. So, uh, I'll be, uh, you be the caller. Okay. And I will be the, um, the person who answers the All right. So I ring you up. Ring, ring, ring. Hello, Cohen, 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 and Cohen. Let me speak to Mr. Cohen. Oh, he's dead these six years. We keep his name on the door out of respect. Well, then let me speak to Mr. Cohen. Oh, well, he's on vacation. Ah, well, then let me speak to Mr. Cohen. He's out to lunch. Ah, let me speak to Mr. Cohen. Speaking. That <laughs> That was pretty good. That was real good. We didn't even practice that. We should go on the road. Yeah. Uh, hey, let's do that. Yeah? Yeah, we should. What do you think about doing some sort of Stuff You Should Know tour? I think we totally should. I mean, we already have done variety shows, and all we need is a striptease act, <laughs> and we're burlesque. Well, let's do a variety show or like uh, maybe a trivia tour or something like that. Let's hit the road, man. That, it, did we just birth, birth an idea? I think so. All right. Okay. People can be like, Come to Minneapolis. <laughs> Come to Kansas City. <laughs> Man, you better not be wearing monocles because you are going to feel the stain. <laughs> I think if we do tour, though, we should go to, you know. Oh, like, all over. Yeah. yeah. Not just like, oh, New York and L.A. No, no. Boring. We'll, we'll do like a little little tour. Yeah. Okay. The, we'll do the mutual circuit <laughs> or the mutual wheel. We'll do all three <laughs> wheels. Um, so burlesque uh, developed to the point where they had a their own language basically yeah like many you know uh industries in the entertainment business um i bet you can guess my favorite a jerk yeah <laughs> a jerk was an audience member yeah <laughs> uh a yuck was a big belly laugh yeah think about it. the yucks that came from that of course that makes sense yeah uh if you make a funny face as a performer that's a skull uh, a mountaineer was a, a brand new comic that apparently came from the cat skill circuit up in the mountains there mm-hmm and then I thought this was interesting. The Boston version yeah. was a cleaned up version of the routine. Yeah, because the sensibilities of Bostonites are famous, <laughs> famously touchy. And then, you know, there's a whole list of vocabulary here, but we don't have to go through it all. Yeah. But I mean, like some of the terms that we use, again, top banana, yucks, jerk, those came from burlesque. Yeah. The way to go, burlesque. So um, there's like kind of this heyday burlesque is enjoying a, a, its first wave in the United States. Um, and then all of a sudden they have big competition it's called movies. And then worse than movies, talkies. Yeah. And burlesque is like, uh, what can we do that the movies can't do to get people in? To take off even more clothing. Exactly. Strip. <laughs> yeah. And that actually did it because not only did that save burlesque and make it competitive against the movies, it actually kicked off the heyday. Once the yeah. um, the burlesque performers uh, started taking off their clothes and doing strip teases, like real strip teases, that's when burlesque saw its golden era. Yeah, but again, these are 1920s strip teases, mm-hmm. so it's not like going to one of those filthy places these days. Uh, like a strip club? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're talking Gypsy Rose Lee and Sally Rand doing like the fan dance where... You know, they're they're so good with that fan, you can never quite tell what's going on behind the fan. I know. Have you seen a fan dance? Oh, yeah. They're like very, um, the the just the keeping it placed and moving it as you move around on stage yeah. to cover yourself um, is, that's art. <laughs> I, I mean, that takes work. No, of course it does. Yeah. Because if you show too much, you got busted. Right. You gave your reveal too soon. Yes, and by busted, we mean like the cops would put you in jail, perhaps. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. And that was actually like pretty common, apparently. Like the burlesque houses would be shut down. The person headlining would be arrested for moral, for corrupting moral sensibilities. Yeah, there were these dudes, um, the Minsky brothers, mm-hmm. 
uh, Abe, Billy, Herb, and Morton. <laughs> and they were big time burlesque producers. And, uh, they in were, New York. yeah, they were rated a bunch. Um, a raid in 1925 became famous because they wrote a book and made a movie about it. But, um, what's it called? The night they raided Minsky's. No. <laughs> a little on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, they said it just became popular because of the attention. Like it was basically a cycle of, uh, covering up too much audience dwindles, um, revealing too much audience booms, you get raided. So you start covering up again. Oh, I see. Yeah. And it just kind of kept going like that. Uh, there was a, a law in New York that you could be topless at that point as long as you didn't move. Supposedly that law is still in effect. As long as you don't move? I don't know about the as long as you don't move part, but you you can legally walk around New York topless, man or woman, um, and, and not be breaking the law. Really? Yeah. So Splash was actually factually incorrect. The movie Splash? Yeah, although I think Daryl Hannah was like all the way naked when she comes out of the water the first time, remember? Yeah. They arrested her? Yeah, I loved that movie when I was a kid. It was a good one. I thought it was pretty great. Um, so uh, the Minsky brothers were pretty infamous, so much so that uh, Mary LaGuardia at the time, yeah. who was a uh, moral reformer. He was the early Giuliani. Right. Yeah. He. That's exactly right. Like, let's clean this town up. Um, he... Uh, he made a law where you couldn't publicly advertise using the word burlesque or the word Minsky. Yeah. So, like, they were pretty infamous. They they made the mayor of New York mad. Well, they, I think, were the first ones to, to apparently, the first raid in 1917, there was a uh, performer named Mae Dix who, as she was leaving stage, was accidentally, absentmindedly removing her clothing for the next act mm-hmm. and just did it before she was off stage, and the dudes went nuts. So she was turned around and went back out. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the, I think it was Billy Minsky, was like, hey, let's see if we can make that accident happen every night. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was the beginning of the whole thing? The beginning of, like, the the full nudity, and, and that's what led to that first raid. So um, let's go back to the uh, the, the strip teasers themselves. Okay. Like, uh, you mentioned Gypsy, Rose Lee, and Sally Rand, yeah. um, whose names are still pretty well known oh, yeah. in, in the popular culture. And the reason why is because these ladies were superstars. Like they um catapulted from their burlesque routines into um you know starring roles in movies and in culture and society. They were written about, they were lauded. Um they were just they were big deals. Like they they came about at a time and burlesque stripteases came about at a time when a significant portion of society was ready to um, love it. Yeah. yeah. And Gypsy Rose Lee, too, she was um, a smart lady, and she didn't right. mind being smart on stage. She would perform uh, these monologues that were very highbrow with a, a British accent, and uh, or not a British accent, but like a you know a upper-class accent. Like a finishing school accent is how Julia Layton puts it. Yeah, and she would tell jokes, like really intellectual, smart jokes, and uh, super witty, and she would do... Her striptease, it was the first time that the striptease and comedy were married. Right. In one, in, you know, at the same time. Like she would just kind of go around the stage and she'd come out in like all of these layers, petticoats yeah. and all that stuff. And then she would just kind of tell jokes or make witty observations as, as she was slowly revealing these things. And then by the end of her act, she was, uh, she had basically pasties on. Yeah. And it just wowed the crowd. Um, and she, I want to see Gypsy. Have you ever seen that movie? No, it was, I think, a Broadway show, too, wasn't it? Right. I think it, it was her memoir yeah. as a book, and then they made it into a Broadway show, and then they made it into a movie. And um, I think it was, uh, it says, oh, it was Natalie Wood who played her in the movie. I want to see it, because she sounds like a pretty interesting person. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. Uh, and then one of her, probably uh, the next biggest superstar of her exact era, which is the 30s, was Sally Rand. And you can thank Sally Rand for inventing the fan dance yeah, and the bubble dance. Those were her two big ones. She had a bunch of acts, but her two big acts were uh, the fan dance was just two huge ostrich feathers yeah. that she used to cover up and just maneuver around. And then um, the the uh, bubble dance was a, like a five-foot balloon that she just kind of rolled around. Right. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and dudes were like, what's behind the balloon? Right. Pop. Yeah. Uh, so we'll continue on in the 1920s right after this message. Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. 
Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Dell Tech Fest starts now. To thank you for 40 unforgettable years, Dell Technologies is celebrating with anniversary savings on their most popular tech for a limited time only. Save on select next-gen PCs like the XPS 13 Plus, where you can make the everyday easier with Windows 11. That's right. You can unleash more possibilities with cutting-edge systems, the most advanced features, and great prices. Plus, curate your dream setup with deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. And when you shop online at dell.com deals, you'll have access to state-of-the-art technology to match your forward-thinking spirit and free shipping on everything. That's right. Anniversary savings await you for a limited time only at dell.com deals. That's D-E-L-L dot com slash deals. All right, so we're kind of back to the 20s. I thought we were in the 30s. We're, we're jumping around a little bit. Uh, a very cool thing happened in the 1920s with burlesque, which was uh, it was no longer all white. Um, it wasn't integrated, of course, at the time, but there started to be all black burlesque clubs, all Latin clubs, mm-hmm. all Chinese clubs, mm-hmm. and really kind of spread. Like I said, though, they weren't sharing the stage, right. but um, at least they were like representing their cultures. All right. By taking their clothes off for money, <laughs> right? You know. Well, you know, you said something a little while ago uh, before the break um, that, like, the men were like, "What's like?" We they wanted the balloon to pop. Yeah. Um, th- with the advent of the striptease coming front and center in a burlesque show, mm-hmm. um, the male audience increased tremendously. The ratio of men to women in an audience really skewed toward men. Yeah, it became more about the striptease and less about the comedy, I think. Exactly. And so the the audience became increasingly um, men and randy men. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why burlesque still today um, has a uh, this kind of uh, body um, implication to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, because at that point it kind of shifted some. Um, it became a little less intelligent, uh, a little less comedic, and then the strippers themselves were funny. They were trying to get yucks and stuff themselves. Yeah. But you'd also, you know, you'd have like a stand-up comedian and then a striptease. And that was what the burlesque show kind of evolved to during yeah. its heyday. And that was sort of the beginning of the end because a lot of the comics moved on to, like you said, TV and film. Right. And took those acts with them. I mean, if you look at uh, the the comedy at the time and still today there are like elements of burlesque all over the place oh for sure you know but i mean again we're talking like burlesque had a heyday like even more than its first wave from about the 20s to the 60s and what's interesting is um that the the women involved like um gypsy had a movie made about her yeah um another one uh, who came a little later in the 50s she was huge her name was um blaze Star, yeah, with two R's, like Brenda Star, yeah, <laughs> uh, and Blaze Star. Um, have you ever seen that movie Blaze with Paul Newman and uh, Lolita Davidovich? Yeah, was that that was about her? Okay, I thought so. And she did this uh, really well-known striptease where um, there'd be like a settee, and she would just kind of maneuver around it and everything, and do her striptease and end up on it, and then smoke would come out. And streamers would come down. Smoke would come out from between her legs. The one I saw, it didn't. Oh, okay. But it was for TV, so they may have, she may have altered it some. Gotcha. It looked like it was for TV. Right. Um, but it was, I mean, pretty good stuff. Yeah, Mae West, famous, uh, screen star. She started off in burlesque and she's one of the early ladies to embrace her sexuality and say, hey, men. Look at me. Right. I'm a sexy lady. So it's extremely popular. It's, it's, uh, about as mainstream as it can be. And then it's also 
kind of maybe hastening the sexual revolution along a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then it basically is killed. It's eaten by its own offspring. Yeah. So the reason burlesque went away in the 60s was because access and availability of pornography became much more widespread around that time and guys didn't need to go to burlesque shows any longer. Yeah. I guess uh, you could call it the natural progression of things mm-hmm. <laughs> that continues to this day. But yeah, hardcore porn was available and uh, it really died out pretty quickly after that for a while. Right. Like for a solid uh, like 40 years. Yeah. And there was a the one noteworthy um, throwback or aspect revival of it, I guess. It was a 1979 Broadway show that was pretty successful. It had more than 1,200 performances. Yeah. It was called Sugar Babies, starring Mr. Mickey Rooney and Ms. Ann Miller. Yeah, classic. And um, it was a period piece, a backstage period piece um, set in the 1930s during the heyday of burlesque shows, and it was about a burlesque troupe and its performance. Yeah, that was the, you know, things come back around and people become fascinated with the old stuff. That was like the late 70s was the perfect time to revive a 1930s style thing, I think. Sure. It was a really big hit. Well, yeah, and they were into the 50s then, too. Remember the greaser thing with Grease? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sha Na Na? Yeah. Performing at Woodstock. <laughs> did they? Yeah. yeah, they did, didn't they? Yeah, it always baffled me until I sort of realized that, no, like 10 or 15 years after something's popular, people are into it again. Mm-hmm. Like Happy Days and Sha Na Na, that wasn't... Happy Days. That Little wasn't in Shirley. the 50s, yeah. Good stuff. So, Chuck, right about here seems like another uh, a good time for a break because we're about to go into the neo-burlesque revival. Agreed. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human-moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Dell Tech Fest starts now. To thank you for 40 unforgettable years, Dell Technologies is celebrating with anniversary savings on their most popular tech for a limited time only. Save on select next-gen PCs like the XPS 13 Plus, where you can make the everyday easier with Windows 11. That's right. You can unleash more possibilities with cutting-edge systems, the most advanced features, and great prices. Plus, curate your dream setup with deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. And when you shop online at dell.com deals, you'll have access to state-of-the-art technology to match your forward-thinking spirit and free shipping on everything. That's right. Anniversary savings await you for a limited time only at dell.com deals. That's D-E-L-L dot com slash deals. <laughs> So, Chuck, we're yes. back. So um, we'd say sometimes that, you know, something didn't really go away. It just went underground. Yeah. I don't think that's necessarily the case with burlesque. I think it, like, went away. I think you would have been hard-pressed sure. to find a burlesque show in the United States. In 1984. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, but in the mid-'90s, two different groups independently revived it. Um, and there were two people who were basically at the heart of it, um, Billy Madley in New York and Michelle Carr in Los Angeles at about the same time in the 90s revived burlesque. Yeah, and uh, it certainly didn't hurt that people like Dita Von Teese were marrying Marilyn Manson and becoming internet famous mm-hmm. for their throwback uh, 1930s style. Yeah. But now you add tattoos to that equation. Yeah. Seems to be a lot of that. Tattoos? Yeah, with the burlesque scene now, the new sure. burlesque scene. Yeah. So let's talk about the neo-burlesque scene. You got to keep in mind that burlesque already had this, um, 
like I said, a, it's just kind of a body reputation. Yeah. Um, because the striptease was introduced and pushed front and center. Um, and so there's certainly an element to that. Like the, the striptease is definitely still part of the neo burlesque scene. Oh yeah. But, um, there's also, as Julia Layton points out, it's, it's more, you could call a lot of it more performance art. Um, or there's certainly elements of performance art in the modern neo burlesque, um, act. Yeah, for sure. You know? Yeah. And they're also, um, with neo burlesque, they are, uh, shining the light on people who may have not been on stage before, like plus size women yep. or they would play with gender. Um, there's a performer called world famous. I want to say B.O.B. or is it just Bob? I think, I think B.O.B. Whenever you spell your name with an asterisk, capital B.O.B. and an asterisk, then yeah. you're kind of calling attention to it. Yeah. And, uh, B.O.B. was a former drag queen, even though she was a woman. So she called herself a female, female impersonator. Yeah, so just basically messing with these uh, conventions. Um, there was a male performer named uh, Tigger? T- Tigger with a exclamation point. Yeah, he's still around. Is he? Mm-hmm. That's what I figured. And uh, he had a very famous uh, striptease routine where he would uh, be a priest courting an altar boy. So they're definitely like pushing the boundaries still. Oh yeah, and that was that definitely is the heart of burlesque as it was originally created. I mean, like it's satirical, it's biting. It's, um, it criticizes the powers that be. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, there's, uh, there's one out there now. There's a, um, lady named Honey Wild who does a Margaret Thatcher routine. I've heard of her. And at one point she, there's a man, um, bent over and on his bottom is the word labor, you know, uh-huh. of course with the U, like the labor party and Margaret Thatcher spanking it with a riding crop. <laughs> nice. So this is like, it's burlesque. As it was originally conceived by the women in the 19th century who produced the earliest shows. But it's melded with the heyday from the 20s to the 60s. Yeah. Um, where it, there's striptease and the, there's different acts. There's comedy elements to stand up comedy as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but it's also contemporized. So like you got Margaret Thatcher. Sure. Well, fairly contemporized. Right. It's more contemporized than say like Greek comedies. And then, um, I saw one by the Devil's Playground troupe. They do a Star Wars burlesque. Oh, nice. Complete with Slave Leia. Of course. Jabba the Hutt Mm. makes an appearance. (laughs) Really? Very disturbingly. (laughs) Uh huh. Um, there's like, uh, stormtroopers. It's, it's like, you know, I'm sure nerd heaven. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're you're marrying several different things there. Yeah, and you hit, you know, you you mentioned it when like you kind of see a lot of tattoo culture involved in this. Um it it does seem like the neo burlesque movement pulls in from a lot of different fields. Like yeah. like tattoo culture, feminist porn, um the the, the original burlesque stuff, performance yeah. art, drag Girls. queens. Um the, all these different cultures kind of come together and um is, are are created, put into acts now, neo burlesque acts. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a cultural movement, even more so than just a, a performance. You know, it's, right. it's bigger than that now. And Chuck, um, I said uh, this neo burlesque um, kind of incorporates uh, drag queen aspects to sure. the show. Like there are um, the fluid gender. Um, it makes an appearance a lot. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of appropriate because drag drag clubs and drag queens and just drag acts yeah. definitely grew out of burlesque um either as a parody of burlesque yeah or just from it as its own thing yeah yeah totally so it's it's it had a huge cultural impact yeah the drag shows i've been to definitely just smacked of true burlesque right a camp out the out the yin yang <laughs> Um, and so it's very, it's, it's kind of neat that neo burlesque takes all of the things that burlesque spawned and just kind of brings it back together. Yeah. I think burlesque is about acceptance. They're not a very exclusionary group. That is neat. A neat way to put it. You just summed it up. So anytime you have a cultural movement, Chuck, that means that you are going to have cultural critics about it. You against have some? It. Well, no, I mean, we talked about the, the, um, it running a follow feminism. Sure. Um, and I, I mean, that's certainly, I don't necessarily have a lot to speak to on that because I don't really know yeah. what the answer there is. Right. Uh, I've just seen 
from what I've seen, it seems like the burlesque performers are like, you're not getting this. This is not about right. titillating men. If that's really what you think it is, go to more burlesque shows and you will see. Right. And feminists, um, feminist critics of burlesque say, right. it doesn't matter how you dress it up. You're still stripping and there's still men who are just, you know. Objectifying in, you. Yeah, in the audience. Yeah, but who wants to hear what two stupid middle-aged dudes have to say about it? I feel like we shouldn't even have an opinion. Right, well, there you go. You I, I think that's what I was trying to say. Is, <laughs> I think you is, I mean, this is more just bringing up like there's a, a discussion going sure. on. And it, from that viewpoint, it doesn't seem like it could be rectified. It's more just like enjoy it or don't, you know? Yeah, I agree. Um, ah, that's uh, an opinion. <laughs> uh, well, I've already said I agree because I've gone to a show or two and it's fun. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, the other thing that happens when there's a cultural movement going on is uh, you learn that you can make a little dough off of it because it's gone mainstream to a certain degree. Yeah. And if you live in a major city or maybe even a minor city, you likely have some sort of burlesque class or school situation going on there. Right. Uh, Atlanta's got a burlesque school. Um, they're all over the place. And basically just encouraging ladies to get out there and have a little fun. Uh, there's uh, one teacher named Vivian Vavum that says... She teaches a room full of librarians to bump and grind, and I bet it's a blast. And that's another, um, those are two more words that we can thank for burlesque for. Bump and grind. Yep. Those were original terms for part of the act, right? Right. What's uh, a grind is a making a circle with your hips. <laughs> I wish people could see you And right bump now. <laughs> is moving your pelvis back and forth. Bump and grind. Oh. Came from burlesque. If this were just a video podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's a, a, a burlesque performer named Michelle Lamore, whose um, work is cited in the introduction of this article. She does something called Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. I watched it. Where, yeah, it's yeah. pretty impressive. Where um, she comes out in like a coat and tails and um, nothing else. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and uh, sits in front of a, a sheet music stand on like a, a nice piano bench. Yeah, with her butt facing the audience. Right. Uh, and then twerks to Beethoven's Fifth. Yeah. And she actually has an instructional DVD called uh, Booty Camp, I believe. What is, twerk, is that a new word? Booty for, Lab. For an old thing? The DVD's called Booty Lab. Booty Lab? Uh, n- no, it's a new thing. I don't think it's an old thing. No, people have been twerking forever. They used to call it like, you know, backing that thing up or whatever. Like, twerking is not a new thing. Are you sure? Because twerking is like doing individual cheeks <laughs> yeah i'm positive cheeks is another word that came out of burlesque as a as a uh, euphemism for bottoms yeah cheeks no it is definitely not new since there have been cheeks cheeks have been okay you're manipulated for entertainment okay well then yes it's a new word for it okay and it's it's yeah there's some people who excel at it on the internet like uh caramel kitten look her up really? she is hilarious Good i guess control. in a way she um it's like superhuman. Yeah. She has preternatural control over her bottom muscles, her butt <laughs> muscles. I keep saying bottom. Like there's two-year-olds that listen yeah. to our podcast. I feel like I have no control. Well, you can work at it. All right. I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> I can wiggle my ears, too, as you know from <laughs> the Natural can... Selection Podcast. No, but check check out Carmel Kitten. She's hilarious. All right. She, she um, twerks in random places. And then she'll say the place that she's twerking at as she's twerking. Yeah. So she'll be like twerking in the library, twerking <laughs> in the library. And like, um, when she does the twerking in the library, she looks at the camera and goes, Shh, she puts her finger up to her, <laughs> to her mouth while she's twerking. Oh, she could probably make some money if she I was think like, she's made a lot of money twerking at Subway, twerking at McDonald's. Oh, yeah. I think she's making it through YouTube ads, but yeah, she probably could. You know, she could replace Jared on Subway. <laughs> Boy, somebody needs to. Why? What's wrong with Jared? Well, he was, that whole thing came out last week when he was defending them for putting, uh. Oh, that stuff in the bread? Toxins in their bread. Yeah. But I mean, he kind of has to. He's a very rich man because of them. And a very fit man. He's lean. Him. Good for him. He's still a nerd. Well, sure, but he knows he is. He's Jared. I'm not a fan. Oh, of Jared. Nope. How do you dislike Jared? That's I don't like know. Disliking a friendly horse or something. <laughs> You know, like, what the heck did the horse ever do to you? I just, he bugs me. Jared? Yep. You are the first person I've ever met that didn't like Jared. Although I don't really talk about him a lot now that I think of it. Yeah. If I I saw Jared on the street, I would punch him in the face. (laughs) And I'm a nonviolent person. Well, Jared, steer clear of Chuck because you do something to him that he don't like. Actually, I'd meet him and I'd go, oh, dude, can I get my picture made? 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> Put <laughs> you do Facebook. a selfie with Jerry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's like, I heard what you said about me. I doubt that. So uh, I guess that's burlesque. If you want to know more about it, again, throw a rock. Go talk to the person that it hit because it's probably a burlesque trooper. Apologize. And say, uh, hey, where are you guys performing? Yeah. And go see a show. Support Neo Burlesque. Uh, unless you are critical of it. In and which then case, don't. Yeah, don't go. Yeah. Um, and if you want to know more about burlesque, you can uh, type that word into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And I have one more point. I was wondering, what's the difference between cabaret and burlesque? I don't know. They're virtually one and the same. Cap- well, which was first, burlesque? I think they co-evolved, but I think burlesque was... Yes, I think burlesque was technically first. Maybe cabaret was the French version. No, it's not. I think the big difference is the cabaret is a little more focused on singing and dancing. Oh, uh, okay. And like the band. Gotcha. But it's almost the exact same. Burlesque was more thing. about uh, comedy and skits and pasties. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, so I did say search bar a little while back, which means it's time for listener mail. Uh, I'm going to call this. Um, Inquisition uh, statements. <laughs> sexy. No, not sexy at all. Uh, hey, guys, recently listened to the Inquisition show, and I had a story. Uh, I'm a Reformed Jew, and in my high school, my rabbi told me a story about visiting Spain. Uh, she was there on a scholarly trip of some kind and befriended a local Catholic woman. My rabbi eventually talked about Shabbat and the lighting of the candles and the prayers. The woman said she had a similar family tradition and invited my rabbi and her peers to dinner on Friday. Uh, Before dinner, she and her family uh, went into the basement of the house and basically performed a Shabbat service. The prayers were Jewish prayers, uh, though the woman performing the service didn't know that. All she knew was that on Friday, the family went to a hidden place that was sort of secret. After looking into it, they found research saying Spanish and Mexican uh, crypto Jews aren't uncommon. Uh, People who had converted during one of the Inquisitions but kept their traditions secretly which we talked about. Uh-huh. Um, this woman had no idea why she was doing what she did, but she continued to do it. Uh, and that is from Brittany. And she says, P.S., while I do love your show, everyone else in my life hates that I listen. Uh-huh. It's like we're Jerry to those people. <laughs> I recently visited the U.K. and went to Warwick Castle with my boyfriend. Oh, yeah, we're despised at Warwick Castle. They keep vultures there, and I would not shut up about defensive vomiting, sky burials, and old world and new world vultures. I'm surprised my boyfriend didn't lock me in the dungeon. Huh. So that is from Brittany. Brittany, keep on keeping on, yo. Yep. You just keep on citing stuff you should know. Eventually, all these haters will fall away and and cycle out of your life. And you'll get a good boyfriend. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, If you want to tell us why your boyfriend or girlfriend stinks, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can uh, join us on our YouTube channel, just search Josh and Chuck. Send us an email to stuffpodcast at discovery.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, stuffyoushouldknow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car, like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive. You can count on your new Camry to get you anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.